I'm Lige. I'm Kohana. And, and this, this is Boiled Over. Yep, everyone's been doing well and has been taking care of themselves and each other. It's a new year, and we've been working behind the scenes with recording and editing, and have a few more interviews lined up that we're super excited to share with everybody in the coming weeks. This week, we'll be talking to our good friend and fantastic visual artist, Anna Firth. In addition to being an absolutely amazing animator, Anna works very hard to foster the animation community in online spaces and wherever she goes. She could not be more of a helpful presence to people getting started in the medium and looking to further their skills, with lots of useful tutorials and references on her site. Anna, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you make? Um, so I'm Anna. Hi. Uh, I make hand-drawn animated GIFs and short films. Um, I'm really into loops, layering animation, um, and really like handmade effects. Um, and I've been animating for seven years now. And I think that's kind of <laughs> generally it. That feels like... Uh... And a true, true summary. Um, I feel like there there are a few animators that feel like true drawers in the sense that a lot of what they make tends to be, you know, frame by frame and hand drawn. And their work sort of you just inherit the sense of tactility from like the paper itself. And your work definitely comes to mind for me. And I've seen, you know, I've seen you do some like really sweet experiments in Stratacut too. And I'm just wondering if you have any any plans on making more work in that vein that exists sort of outside of the page. If you know drawing is home based and where you where you love to make work, um, what that relationship like to the form itself looks like to you. Yeah, I think like once you have the animation toolkit, it's really cool to be able to just like jump in and do other stuff. So like. The Stratica experiment I did was just like kind of a fun like evening thing. Like I was just hanging out at my parents' house and I like bought some clay and it felt like a very like wholesome like return to childhood activity. Um, I was just like playing with clay and I remember like asking my mom for like if she had some like knives I could use and she like set out all these like little tools for me. It was like such an exciting experiment. I felt like it was just like craft time. I'm eight years old <laughs> making like little dogs out of clay and then just had the impulse to be like what would it look like animated and like jumped in with that um but everything I do that's like outside of like drawn animation I'm still using kind of the same pattern so like I scanned the clay instead of like shooting it under camera and then like assembled it in photoshop but I do kind of want to go into doing more stuff like that because I think it like I don't know changes up the game a little I made like um Stratacut vase recently. Yeah. <laughs> I want to animate amazing. this. I mean, I really like stop motion, but um, it's like, yeah, that's where I started. So I think that's where these like little like experiments come from. It's like, yeah, just animation hopping, genre hopping. Just kind of on the topic of you, like even going in and scanning in the clay rather than like shooting it or anything. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you create your animations like from start to finish. Like 
how do you even go about starting a project in the first place? Like, how do you document your frames? What sort of programs do you use when working digitally? Um, do you always scan stuff in or do you ever use a down shooter? Or yeah, what does that all look like? <laughs> um, okay, so I get copy paper. That's how I start is like keeping a good paper supply. I usually like before a project, like to like sit down, get out like a good amount of paper and just like sit around punching it and kind of getting like, everything set up. So I work at a light table with a pig bar. Um, and lately I've been using just like a light pad, um, like one of those like $20 ones that are like LED. And I put it on a laptop stand. Like I have like a little like pink <laughs> like laptop stand thing. Um, Genius. So at an angle. Yeah. And it's super like taped together because um, it doesn't, I don't want it like shifting around. So that's what I'm working on now. And then I have all my paper set up and then kind of like clear the space, um, get my pens filled. So I use like refillable fountain pens. Um, I'm a big like materials like sharer. Like I like to like get into like talking to other animators about like what pens they're using and stuff. So like what I've landed on is like fountain pen because um, the ink you could choose like one that goes with the copy paper really well. So like copy paper is really absorbent you get like a lot of like ink bleeding so I have a no feather ink <laughs> I mean the, you the like line... choose the nib for your pen as well is that mm -hmm. a thing you have to do what yeah does no feather ink mean um so like it means that your line will stay like um almost like vectorized on the edges instead of like the little veins of the paper like absorbing the ink out into mm -hmm. lines like a little feather gotcha um then I like usually start from like a sketchbook drawing like I'll like pick something out that I like an image I've been working with and if I don't have one I'll just kind of like draw like something on the page and then like animate away from it and then I might get rid of those early pages where I'm like arriving at something um and then if I'm working from the sketchbook I'll just like slip the sketchbook under the first page and then draw my animation from there um and then when I animate, I'm only ever like two pages up at once. Like a lot of people do three pages. Um, so you kind of remember what direction stuff is going in. Um, but two is like more chaotic. Like it, it gives me those moments where like a hand will be stuck, like moving back and forth. Cause I like, can't remember like which way it's going. I like those little like mistakes. So then like last step is like scanning it all in. Um, and I'm like a cheap scanner club. I use a like $50 staple scanner with the lid ripped off. Um, I feel like a lot of people have probably like seen my scanner because <laughs> I'm like always sharing it. Um, but it looks kind of funny. It's like really rugged. Um, and I tape the pig bar like right in. I like to get like tape into the frame too. So you can like see a little bit of that. Um, and then I scan into Epson scan too which is great animation software because um, like all these like little like steps need to come together for it. So like Epson scan will number your files really nicely um, with like prefixes and then it'll like prompt a scan. So like I know each page takes 35 seconds to scan and then um, I get this like numbered file thing that goes like really easily into Photoshop. And can you just so. use that as an image sequence then? Like right off mm -hmm. the bat? Okay, yeah. amazing. So, so if I were to like, yeah, if I lost this like scanning software, then like my whole like process would be messed up. Um, Cause like I need those like numbered frames and stuff. 
Do you do you rough out your animation or is it generally just pretty straight ahead then if you're just working with like two frames at a time? Are you like oh, intuiting wow. from from that? Um I just like go straight ahead. Um but like I feel like the revision, um, like the kind of like roughing process comes like in the middle of the animating, uh, where I feel like by like the fifth to tenth frame, a character will kind of solidify into what they look like. Um, and then like that will kind of be like where I arrive. So <laughs> a lot of my characters will look weird in the beginning and then they'll like arrive at like their thing and I keep the beginning often. Um, so just like, yeah, I guess it's like in the middle that <laughs> I arrive at that. Speaking sort of of these characters in your work, I'm wondering um, where like the canine bipeds became a consistent character or like made a consistent started to make a consistent appearance in your animations and illustrations? Um, that started in like, maybe like 2017. I was drawing rabbits a lot. Um, I guess it's kind of supposed to be like cartoon um, character-ish, but the rabbits, like they had like uh, kind of like scary eyes. They looked really like unsettling and like these kind of like frightening characters <laughs> and kind of like evil, but they were like really like sensitive looking too. And I started feeling like animals were like really emotive. Um, and I think the rabbits, like they just kind of like in the same way that the like characters evolve, like in the sequence, the like rabbit kind of got shorter ears and became dog-like. Um, but I like this kind of like species ambiguity where people are like, is it a dog? Like a lot of people are like cool wolves, um, cool rabbit, cat. Um, like I think that's really fun. Um, but I don't know, I've like just gotten to know these like little like animal characters over time. Um, like I like how like animal expressions work. It's like more interesting than like human face. Um, and it's just such a nice like neutral template to work with. Um, I'm just curious, just, I don't know, changing the subject, like, a little bit. Um, like, I know you work with loops a lot, and, like, especially, like, your crosshair work and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that with loops. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, maybe in a slightly more abstract sense, like, what does the loop mean to you? Um, and, like, how do you go about incorporating loops in your practice? Ooh. Um, I spent, like a lot of time in my like early loop making like comparing it to like um like contemporary media consumption like I spend a lot of time kind of like lost in like TikTok like watching these like repeating videos and like I mean all social media is kind of these like clips short clips that we're watching over and over again um and there's this kind of like toxic loop and interesting loop like all these different like feelings we get from them of like um I don't know. I feel like it's just like how we're consuming media now. And so it's an interesting like viewership to like have people watch something over and over. And then like, I've also talked a lot about like, um, I don't know how relevant it is with my loops now, but this kind of like feeling of like contemporary, like stuckness, like in the world, like people getting like stuck. Like a lot of my loops were made when I was in kind of this like dead end job. And I was like, unsure, like what my future looked like. And like I was kind of stuck like relying on the job but disliking it and like showing up every day and these kinds of like places where we are in like moments of repetition but then finding the expansion like within that like what you're doing within these like cycles um so they kind of like come from like a lot of different like angles but 
I think it's a, a really interesting like time space to work within. I think like in addition to working with loops, I know you play around with frame rate quite a bit. Um, and I was just wondering if you could also talk a little bit about like using varying frame rates in your works and um, how, yeah, how that incorporates itself into your practice as well. Um, frame rate is like so confusing to me. <laughs> like <laughs> I think I like still don't have like a good grasp on it. Um, Cause like, it's just this weird like math puzzle. And yeah, cause Photoshop, like I, um, like assemble my animations in Photoshop. It relies like, and I don't use the timeline. I just use like the GIF making thing. Um, so it like like the frame weird... by frame method instead of the video timeline. Yeah, I do right? like frame by frame, but then I convert it to like a video timeline. So it's I don't know how to do the like other way. <laughs> <laughs> so like, there's this jump between like the frame by frame where you can say like the interval of time, and then you move it into the video timeline and it speeds it up. So I just kind of approximate these. <laughs> So, like, I'll, like, animate something knowing, like, how, like, um, tight or loose the, like, sequence will be. And then I'll kind of, like, watch it back to see, like, if it's, like, too fast to see or, like, too slow or it's, like, choppy. And I'll just kind of, like, go back and forth and then just, like, land on it. So I think my frame rates are, like, I mean, it's technically in 24, but, like, it's, like, 1.5s. I know it's, like, not particularly kosher for Photoshop animators to work in the frame-by-frame, frame, but I do all of my work in the frame-by-frame. Frame. I, like, avoid the timeline completely whenever I can just because, I don't know, like, the frame-by-frame frame is so much more visual and linear, and, like, it's a lot easier for me to, yeah, just visualize my animation that way rather than the timeline. So that's nice to hear. <laughs> At least it also looks, I'm not alone in doing that. I don't think you are. It, it also feels like... um. It looks much more like a like a film strip too. Like you can actually see the like smaller thumbnails of your frames, which is so underrated and such a helpful and useful tool. I I learned how to use video layers first, so that was what I had just sort of gotten accustomed to. But I really don't don't skip on the frame by frame <laughs> option. It's really useful. Um, but speaking of like, you know, sort of skill sharing or or experimenting with different techniques in this way. You shared several really wonderful tutorials in the past that um, specifically help clarify like cell animation processes um, and digital shortcuts too to help like save expenses and save time. And for me and I know many other animators, it makes a process that can you know at times feel pretty guarded, feel much friendlier. Like your your crosshair tutorials and things like that in particular come to mind. But I'm just curious as to how you arrived at these techniques in the first place. Like, was it through a process of, of trial and error? Um, was it through like the aid of like your immediate animation community and peers, professors, some combination of that? Um, what did that look like for you? Uh, I'm trying to think of where crosshairs even came from. I think it's just like a lot of observation and then like testing things out. Um, but I'd seen like animation that looked like that um like I can't think of examples but it's definitely like you see the kind of like patterns moving around the frame kind of animation a lot but then like I think it came from me just like trying it and then my way was like oh I see this is like a little different from like what people were doing um but yes yeah, the same like kind of like drive is like doing the like clay thing of just like I have these tools I have the scanner sitting around like I have photoshop like what can I do um these just like very like silly little experiments so just like 
crosshairs I think I was just like it logically made sense to me but it like took a lot of time to like arrive at it and a lot of iterations before it like started to look like something just like I want to trace um but like this method relies like looking at the previous frame instead of being able to trace it so like ah two pieces of paper like it seems kind of like a really simple concept but um yeah so I think the idea is like oh I want to like share something like put tools out there so it's like it was kind of a silly idea to like turn that into a tutorial because it's such a like straightforward idea but it ended up being like getting really out there. Like I still watch films today and people are using it in there with like the numbers and the little like plus signs. I'm like, huh, okay, that had some- Hello. Reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I think it's like interesting because like as a test, like a like teaching test for putting something out there, like um, the plus sign doesn't need to be there or the like way it looks. That was just like a, like, I mean, it's easy. It makes it easier to do, but it like helps me recognize like where like people are like applying this. So like I recognize crosshairs cause it like has a very distinct look. I'm like, oh, okay. That's kind of neat like feedback. <laughs> so I don't like have for the other tutorials it doesn't have that kind of like, um, like watermark to it but those were kind of more just like coming from a point of frustration um, that animation is kept like very exclusive and there's a lot of like animators specifically like to talk about it like it's very hard I mean it is hard but people like to talk about it in a way that like is very fear-based in being like what I do is so complicated you'll never understand because that's a good way for people to like promote their work if it's like I'm creating these like feats but I don't actually think animation is like that complicated so the tutorials are kind of a like hey everyone try this out here's something that's like simple enough that you could do and like hopefully you have like some of these tools like I for all of them I try to like break it down to like the like simplest setup um that like people might just have this stuff like in their homes so but it's been an interesting like thing with the tutorials I want to do more um but it's like hard I can't think of like another one to do <laughs> I think like skill sharing though is one of if not like the most important things to do within the animation community just because like you said like I don't know a lot of people will develop techniques but then keep them almost hidden because it's like their technique and they don't want other people to like quote unquote copy it but it's like not copying it it's just a resource it's just a tool like a skill that should be shared and should be used as such like in other people's animation and thank god you're <laughs> you're doing it yeah um, it's like but, who owns anything in the first place geez like yeah exactly it's for yeah. everybody a lot of your work uh like even the digital stuff feels so tangible and i'm just wondering like how you achieve this effect and the importance that plays in your work yeah so definitely the like pen and ink I never use pencil um yeah the specific pens that's definitely like a big starting point um I'm trying to think I'm trying to not be like too like small about this because I'll think on the very minute details um be small we want to know it yeah all. that's fine too <laughs> <laughs> um I think a big part of it is the photoshop fills that I use so mm -hmm. like I'm really, really, really careful. I think it's just a good thing I've learned about like closing gaps in drawing. Um, so it makes like coloring really like easy. So I like only use like pen because pencil is like too rough. So pen gives like a really clean, clean line to like do the Photoshop processing that I do. 
So um, yeah, let's get like, you guys can edit this out if I get too technical with stuff, but like um, I use a Noodler's Ink, a hab pen, and this has a flex nib, um, which means that like the two tongs on the top like come apart. So you get variable like line width, which is really fun for animating. Um, and this is like a good big sloppy pen. So like the animation I shared yesterday um, was this pen and it has like a lot of ink splatter. It gets all over my hands. I like, I don't have it now, but when I've been using this like three days out, I'll still have like ink stains. Um, and so like my hands are getting ink on them. It's getting all over the paper. Um, it's getting on the back of the frames and bleeding through. And that's just like a really nice like ink mess. And it totally shows through as like flicker and kind of debris around the edges. Like, I love that. Um, and then my cleanup pen is kind of this uh, Lamy Safari. Um, and this has like a nib that doesn't flex. So you get like a straight line. Um, and this is really good. Um, this one needs a new nib though, cause it's getting like a very, like a big blurry line. So I use this if I want to do like really big scenes now, like a close up of a face. Um, and then have like maybe like 30 of these um, Pilot like high-tech C. These are very popular like illustrator pens. Um, and then these are like fine, fine lines. All of these like very photoshoppable. So then um, once I'm like in Photoshop doing the editing, I have like a pattern library that I've made over the last like four years probably. That's, I think I probably have like 300 like textures I've made out of like scanned and processed paper. So like, this is actually probably something I should tutorial. Like I've always wanted to like- Yeah, please. Yeah, absolutely. So the paint bucket tool on Photoshop, you can like just put in any pattern fill. <laughs> it's like very kid picks, but um, so I make these like probably half inch by half inch squares that end up becoming like patterns that I dump into things. So that's kind of like when I have like characters moving and their clothes like seem to stay in the same spot. So it's like the patterns like being in there. Um, but yeah, that's a big part of it. And then I use those like as filters too. Like I like paint bucket tool over whole layers and then like send that through. So I'm just like textured all over the place for these. Um, but all of it is like based on the real materials. So, like the textures are made out of the scanned paper and all the stuff. So it's just like very like feedback energy of just like putting the materials over and over themselves again. Um, and then, yeah, that like contributes the color too, because I'm not using like any colors like right out of a palette. They're all like from the patterns. Um, so that's where I get like the limited palette. Like I'm always doing like pink, green, blue, black. So you mentioned like Photoshop fill bucket stuff. In the times that I've, I guess maybe the reason why this happens to me is because I'm using like pencil and maybe the, the line just isn't sturdy enough, but how do you, like, is it a tolerance thing to make sure that there's no like fine line gap between the border and the fill? How do you get that to look like yeah. clean? Um, multiply and tolerance. <laughs> so like those two oh, together, yeah. like never use like the normal fill. Like I use a ton of the like blending modes um but yeah those kinds of like um edges you get left over when you fill are really frustrating but yeah just like multiply really helps because it seems to like pick up on the edges that are there um and then that also goes in with like my background removal like I do a really weird like roundabout way of like magic wand tooling out backgrounds to get like characters to composite over where like 
dump green around everything and then like put it between like where like there's an armhole like put green in there and so it's like I make like a little green screen um and then like select all of that out and it's like way cleaner than like actually just going in with like the magic wand so I just have these weird like photoshop like compulsions that's like <laughs> this is like <laughs> how I have to use photoshop um and that one I have made like my weird like compositing tutorial for and people just like like to like read that one and like tell me like oh you know there's an easier way and I get like really defensive about it I'm like this is why I do it this way <laughs> but, yeah. it doesn't matter if there's an easier way this is the best way for you like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you've worked on like such a wide variety of freelance projects including some like really exciting and vibrant music videos um but all of these projects feel so consistently and uniquely Anna um <laughs> and what's your relationship like to the freelance projects you've worked on and like the process of working with musicians um like working with sound and animation um you know particularly when you are doing these music videos um do the lyrics tend to play a part in the overall animation in like a literal sense or is it more like the feeling of the song as a whole? I'm just, yeah, if you could just talk about <laughs> any of that. Sorry, I know that's kind of a big question, but. No, that's awesome. Um, I like love music. I'm like obsessed with the music. That's like my like big hobby outside of animation. So like the fact that I even get to make music videos is just like something I like wake up every day and I'm like, wow, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> um, so like, Every time I, like, get a music video job, like, I get, like, into, like, hyper mode of just, like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. It, like, consumes everything. Like, all my friends have to hear, like, who I'm working for and, like, what my thoughts are about it. Where I'm just, like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. It's, just, like, all-consuming. Um, so then I go into, like, assignment mode where I become this, like, detective where I, like, listen to the lyrics. I look through a musician's, like, whole library, watch their other videos, like, research their label and I'm just like whoa <laughs> exciting mode and just try to like really understand like what they're interested in um I like to have like a like conversation about the song here like where the song came from I feel like a lot of this probably isn't like necessary for making a music video but I'm just like I need to know everything no but it all informs the process yeah yeah and I like ask for a copy of the lyrics and yeah I do like a deep dive investigation mode into it and then yeah, usually just like we'll have an idea like already like floating and maybe this is like a bad impulse but even if like an artist comes to me with like I want it to have this and this I'll kind of just like be like great okay and then make my thing <laughs> be like thank you love your idea let's go but like I'll like incorporate like their visuals but also like make kind of whatever like it's like I can't avoid it like <laughs> make my association happen um but like it's not like I'll like overwrite someone's like dream concept but like I think that makes it more interesting if it's just like here's my interpretation <laughs> yeah and like do, do you find that musicians are usually coming to you for your particular style just because you you have like such a uniquely you body of work that like and like with music videos that you've done in the past sort of looking consistently in that style yeah totally so like when I'm given like direction it's often like really just a couple notes it's not like a whole like proposal or anything um and most often like the process is that like um 
like because my Instagram has so many like different experiments and like little like um, things I've tried out they'll kind of treat that as like a little like library and send back like those things I mean I'm sure that that's how it goes for like you too as well just like yeah little select can you do something like this or like I love it when it's like something I did like a three second test of and someone sends that back to me it's like let's make this a whole project So does that mean that most of your clients find you through Instagram? Like, I know you have Twitter too, and you're on Twitter as well, (laughs) but like, um, yeah, how do these people find you? Like, are you getting most of your work through social media? Because I feel like that's the case for like most animators nowadays, but yeah, curious what that looks like for these music video projects. Yeah, in the beginning, it was coming from Instagram mostly or like referrals. Um, So like anytime, like, yes, people couldn't take like a project, passing it along. Um, But now it's a lot more ambiguous. And I try to ask people where they found me um, just because it's like useful um, analytics. (laughs) But like, I think like now since I have a few videos out there, it might just be like YouTube, like people are seeing them or they're like, they follow like labels following other labels and seeing what's coming out. Um, and then like, yeah, I guess like musicians follow a lot of other musicians. So they're probably just seeing it through each other, <laughs> I imagine. Cool. Um, and Twitter is incredibly useless for work. It's like, <laughs> Twitter uh, is like, I feel like I'd never like land like jobs from there. Well, maybe sometimes that might be like a source of some of the ambiguous stuff, but often like, Twitter is like a really cool place to reach like young animators and be like in like share mode of like that's where I like to put out the tutorials and like share process pictures and stuff and be more conversation with conversational with people because it's fun there's just so many like young animators on there that are just like curious I just go on there and be like hi animation's cool (laughs) um I guess this is kind of a a pivot back to um you know like your your art style uh, and like the way you animate, um, but you know, many of your animations just feel like like a giant fuck you to like the Richard Williams of the world. Like your your the limbs fluctuate in weight, hands stay anchored to the floor, bodies sway in like these impossible but really beautiful and mesmerizing ways. Um, and I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about what your relationship to animation rules looks like or how that's sort of changed for you over the years yeah I've always been I used to be like way worse about my like animation opinions (laughs) like I was a very like um angry like 21 year old coming up in like my animation practice being like I was very anti-industry. Now I'm a lot more open and curious about the industry. I've like come around on that a lot. I think it's really neat, like what's going on um, in there and like in that field. And I just understand it as something totally different from experimental animation. And I respect both sides. Um, But when I was like young and figuring these things out, I was like, I like, all I heard about was like labor disputes in the industry and like um people like talking online about how animation needed to look putting these restrictions on and at the same time I was having like all this fun making like horrible bad animation like (laughs) just like falling apart characters and like it just seemed like what I was doing was like so fun um and now like I have learned like a lot of the things that were going on in what I thought were like bad rules and like mean like gatekeepy animation is actually like really like cool stuff so like 
I've mellowed out a lot. I love like in betweening now, which I thought like, why would you ever like in between, like just go like start your project and go for it. And I like love narrative now and like storytelling. Um, so like I've kind of found some like nice middle ground, but I do, I am one of those people who doesn't think anyone needs to like learn the rules before you could break them. I think that's such a stupid idea <laughs> that you need to like sit around becoming like a master of something before you can like start making the weird stuff. Like I think people should just like what I did is I just started making the weird stuff and then figured out like the real like techniques later. Like people are so like worried about how animation should be and it's like so much more interesting to see people just like bulldoze into it with their own like weird way of working. Like I saw an animator yesterday who like animates these really neat like pencil um, compositions with like spinning text over like characters. It's all these like boils. I have to like look up the person's name. It's so like new to me that didn't stick, but it was such like a different kind of animation that I hadn't seen yet. And it just like shocked me. I was like forwarding it to like everyone that like I thought it would interest and like that's so much more interesting than seeing someone like right out of the gate, like do a walk cycle <laughs> or like something really right. like standard. I just want people to be like handle animation with like less care. Um, it's such this like new area. People should like toss it around and like <laughs> handle it like um, as wild as it is. No, it should be fun. And like, it should be something that people experiment with. Like, why not? You know? Yeah, because I think when people get too caught up on, like, these, like, expectations and stuff, they'll just, like, get so, like, worked up and worried that they'll never actually make anything. It's so much more interesting if you just, like, <laughs> go out there and, like, do things. But, yeah, I'm pro rules now. I think there's some stuff that, like, makes sense. Yeah, say I've <laughs> become animation um, mellow. But, yeah. You... And some other animator, or so it's one other animator that you've been working yeah, with. Yeah, okay, so Ramirez have been uh, starting a new screening series called Soft Screen. Big congratulations! Um, to quote a description of the screening series, uh, Soft Screen centers feminist work and queer and trans experiences with the intention of creating a community of like-minded individuals here on the West Coast. We want to hold space for connection and sharing in our love for a medium that is so isolating and often such a boys club. We are anti-patriarchal and non-hierarchical, ran by queer and non-binary people. This sounds really needed and very beautiful. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could share a little more, bit more about the intention behind the project and any insight into what the first screening might look like. Um, any any future plans or what you hope how you hope this will function within the animation community yeah so soft screen actually used to exist it was um uh, like a bootleg movie theater that i ran in vancouver out of my studio mm -hmm. um and the idea was just like i would invite like someone who had like an interesting angle with animation to curate. And I would just like use my space. I would do the day of, I'd pick up the beers and whatever and like throw the projector up. And it was very like provisional, patchy, like um, very casual. And so like, I liked the ethos of it but it didn't like reach very many people cause it was like a 10 by 10 studio with like 20 people inside. And so um, like moving to the Bay as trying to think of like how to meet other animators like it's really important for me to have like community I mean probably for like everyone <laughs> I don't want to just be like alone out here but it was kind of a like 
scary move to move to a city where I knew of like maybe like two or three other animators like it's not like moving to like LA or New York um where there'd be like a lot of options I was like okay I have to like go take on some kind of community project so Mara Ramirez who I know from comics um has kind of an established like a project out here free comics so me and them kind of teamed up um they were kind of finishing this music video um and so we started talking around this music video um how we could like make an event that's a good release and then it started growing into like well why don't we just like start programming animation and do like a screening series because like there are only like a handful of these in the states right now like there are like I think like maybe three going um and nothing like in northern California so we're like we can have like <laughs> a like huge project happen from this so the idea is kind of, yeah, the ulterior motive is like draw out animators to be friends with, <laughs> um, like locally, and then like establish like a Bay Area animation community. Because like we found so many people that are like disconnected and um, like a common reaction we're hearing from people is like, oh, you're here? Like, <laughs> like what's going on? Like there are other animators. So it's just like, we need to just get everyone into the like same space, get everyone like introduced. And then uh, like level two of our plan is we're going to make animators. Um, oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is like a community strategy. If there aren't animators in your area, like convert people to be animators. So if there are people like doing <laughs> illustration, printmaking, sewing, like something adjacent, like give them the skills, tools, and like finances to like make projects. So we're hopefully going to start like commissioning people to like try animation. Um, or like, yeah, like, <laughs> or like, I don't know, like teach classes or like workshops or something. So like animator generation, um, which like we have a lot of these ideas and we're still kind of like solidifying them. But yeah, some form of this will be a screening, but yeah, soft screen is supposed to be kind of like, uh, I mean, it's in the title soft. It's supposed to be like gentle provisional space. And we've been using this term WIIP a lot which is works indefinitely in progress so uh -huh. I feel like animators often have these like four or five year projects that they pick at and like never finish and like I think that we need to like pick these projects like in a moment of time of just like let's look at it right now like what could happen <laughs> um so yeah we're like really excited about it um really trying to like solidify our manifesto and like yeah like hearing back like our blurb like it's just exciting to think about like this being what the potential of this space and like so yeah it's going to be virtual for a while while we like observe the state of the world but I mean there's benefits to that too like we put out a post that was like where are you and then people are like I'm not in the bay I'm in like um like 500 miles away but I'm gonna be following this so like that's definitely like a positive thing to come from it being like virtual is like it's super accessible like like anyone online i mean as someone who grew up and lives part-time in the bay area like <laughs> i've always felt like any sense of a true animation community was like not only incredibly lacking but just like not even existent um so like personally i can't even express how grateful i am that you're doing something like this to like actively counteract that and i guess you know you've already touched on it a little bit but yeah, but what's it even been like trying to find animators in the Bay Area and like how have you even been going about that and like just reaching out to people through social media or what's that part of the process been like? 
Um, it's been like a lot of like me and Mara sitting around waiting for like things to come up. Like sometimes someone will post a story that's like looking for a room to rent. And it'll be like someone that's in the Bay. It'll be an artist we didn't know is like nearby and be like, send it to each other. Like, oh my God, look, this person's here. Um, <laughs> like kind of just like waiting for those opportunities to like jump on that or get a new follower and see that they're like in the Bay and be like, whoa, okay. And then like, kind of tracing those back like see who they're working with and stuff it's a lot of like detective work and like every time find someone like ask them like who they know um and like I recently like participated in like a community like gallery show there was like a group show with a bunch of people um went through and like connected with a bunch of those people and like a bunch of those people had animation connections so just like going to the general like art community and like finding like connections back from there just in like investigation mode where the animators um like looking up screenings that have happened here um sometimes I just will like google like animators bay area (laughs) (laughs) look at what comes up I actually like found a couple people that way um contacted the meme page 24 memes per second and had them put an ad up (laughs) I guess like the last way of like finding people is just having like an animation page that sits open and says bay area on it is like someone's like friend will find it and send it to them and be like hey have you seen this yet and so they're like it's just kind of an automatic like passive thing of like people will just find us so it's kind of cool it's like really exciting I love detective work (laughs) so we've been we've been talking a lot about animation community Mm -hmm. but focusing in on on the animator themselves how how can we take better care of our bodies, of our selves, of our spirits. Uh, do you have advice for like young animators in particular working and trying to, to find their way in animation right now? Yeah, I mean, this one like hits pretty hard because I spent like my early 20s in grind mode um, because like I thought personally, like the ideas put out there about how to become an artist um, and who gets to be an artist was like very labor-based and um, I definitely fell into that classic animation like mindset of like um, labor spectacle of like I can get my work to be meaningful by working really hard and having it like look like it took a lot of work which often like amounted to like years of like working full-time jobs or going to school full-time and then spending the rest of my time in the studio um I feel like I missed out on like a lot of like life experiences and like stuff that I could have done if I wasn't like stuck in that mindset and ever since I like a couple years ago I just decided that that wasn't like important to me I felt like secure in my work I was like whatever who cares like how much work I put into it like I'd rather make smaller things and like live my life and it's just gotten like so much more fun since then like I just like feel like um my it's reflected in my work like it's just more like silly and playful and uh, more like heartfelt and genuine than this like art product that's like you can see me just like being like I'm making art (laughs) um so I think just like letting go of that like idea that you have to be like I worked so hard this is this many pages this is how many hours and like um showing your like blisters and pain like that's like not really fun as an audience like (laughs) it makes people feel like guilty guilted into enjoying your thing is that you work so hard on it um so I think like 
living your life and like finding that like good balance. I know it's really hard um, because like people do have to work and like make money and stuff. It's hard to say like um, chill out, go on vacation more and stuff, but like whatever like people's life is and what their setup is like find some kind of form of balance within it if you can. And like um, you only get one like um, chance with like eyes and hands and stuff like, so don't like hurt them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think, like, the whole, like, idea of, like, the hand and eye and back care in relation to, like, animation, it's, like, don't go get a better chair, like, change, like, how often you work and, like, (laughs) how you're working kind of thing, like, whoa, flip that upside down, big take, but, like, yeah, I had, like, really bad, like, carpal tunnel from drawing, and then as soon as I stopped, like, working too hard, it went away. Oh, I'm going to be in one of those little like ads on the side of a website. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> you're perfectly functional. Do a, some like wrist articulation. God, I'm like straightening my back as we're having this conversation now and like feeling the. Have you ever seen those ad blockers that replace, like, instead of just getting rid of your ads, it like replaces it with like photos of kittens or something? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I need one that just has Anna and like. <laughs> <laughs> like the good like <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah work less charge more that's the new animator uh i think we have one more question here um and this is just something we've been asking like the last few people that we've uh, been interviewing but we're curious if you have any advice for any young animators or anyone who might be starting animation um, trying to get into the field and create work that you know feels satisfying or in their own art style Um, but you know that could even extend to anything you would want to tell yourself when you were getting started Um, you know I think you said seven years ago or so Um, yeah any piece of advice I think like recently I've been thinking about people making like their most like first impulse most like embarrassing like true like piece that they want to make like I I think people should like run after that one um instead of like trying to do like something that fits into what they're seeing on the feed and stuff on the feed (laughs) but like um we need more like yeah I'm all about the shock value. We need more animation that just like stops people in their tracks and is like, wow, that you can animate about that, whether it's like the content or the form it takes. Um, people should be like um, more like open to that, I think. I think I would have been like more happy with my earlier work if I had acted on those. Like I can see the shift where I started like making stuff. Like I think that's the bunnies, like starting to draw the bunnies instead of like geometric forms and like formalist experiments it's just like yeah I, I kind of just want to draw like weird dogs all the time <laughs> and it like felt really fun um whatever brings and, you joy yeah follow that impulse and if it's like hard to find that then like um wait for it because it'll come out at some point you'll like be on that night bike ride listening to that song and it'll just the vision will like looking <laughs> into someone's it. window yeah you'll <laughs> look into someone's window and it'll like you'll see your future film or gif or animated moment in there yeah and like I mean I always push like people connecting with other people um never animate in isolation um never animate alone <laughs> 
other words of wisdom um get a cat (laughs) (laughs) so nice (laughs) wish i had done that years ago (laughs) thank you so so much anna like this has been such a joy getting to speak with you and hear all of this thank you so much for sharing those words of advice i think it's important to find your weird dogs and peer into people's windows and take it easy to and animating in isolation sucks so that is also really helpful to hear like reiterated just that you know we're all we're all here we're all doing it yeah yeah there's so many animators out there even if you like think there aren't animators in a place there could just be a bunch of animators (laughs) listening and hanging out yeah well thank you guys for having me Thank you oh for gosh, being here, you. Yes. for your time and your words. And really, it was so sweet. Big fan of the podcast. <laughs> oh, we're huge fans of yours. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Bummers by Butterbean. Butterbean is a solo side project of Arias CIE, exploring expressive songwriting and wonky sound design. Arias is one of our favorite animators slash illustrators, and you can find their incredible animations on Instagram under the username the.marooned, or listen to more of their lovely music on the Butterbean Bandcamp page. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Our next episode is with one of our favorite experimental animators, so we hope you're as excited as we are. As always, this is a project that Lige and I love working on um, and recording, editing, publishing the episodes. Doing the cover art just happens to take a lot of time, so we're extra appreciative for your patience, and thank you everybody from the bottom of our hearts for choosing to spend this time with us. Um, Hang in there for the next episode. And with that, we'll see you next time on Boiled Boiled Over. Over. Yes.